This is a show for missionary disciples who worship Christ in the Eucharist and serve Him and their neighbor, for whom the words of the Creed reverberate through their daily activity. This is a show for those like you and for me who make the conscious choice to follow Christ outside the walls. Well, we're just about halfway through 2020, and what a year this has turned out to be. From natural disasters to plague to unrest, on every side there is uh, there's some disaster just waiting to reveal itself. You, you look at um, social media and all the memes that are out there are kind of like, well, well, whatever happened to the murder hornets? Oh, they were just they were just episode filler, right? There's there's one thing after another that just is capturing the national and the worldwide attention. And we look and say, what else can happen? And in this, this, my friends, is a very dangerous thing to say because the truth is many, many things could happen from here. But when these things happen and they compound and they keep building and there seems to be no relief that we move from one thing to the next to the next, where do you go? How do you handle that stress? How do you uh, manage your attention and your capacity for taking in the information around the world? There's a couple of different ways that we as humans tend to do this. One is we stop paying attention. We decide that you know what, it's just better for my own sanity if I don't look at these things. I'm just going to kind of put my head down and focus on what I can focus on and and move forward. And I have to tell you, this is kind of my temptation. I would prefer to do that, to say, you know what, there are things in the world that I can control. There are things that I can't. And not only am I not going to worry about the things that I can't, I'm not even going to pay attention to the things that I can't. That's my proclivity. Um, because I know that the other side of that is to get so wrapped up in stress and to allow our our, uh, our blood pressure to skyrocket as we try and grapple with and figure out all of the things that are going on that are really truly beyond our control um, and allow ourselves to get worked up over them and, and to spread our opinion about them and let people know what we think about it and become so hyper-focused on the world around us that, again, we end up being able to do no good. Both of these, I think, are, are extremes that are to be avoided, both completely ignoring and uh, completely focusing on all of the stresses of the world around us. So how do we handle this? How do we move forward in such a way that we're not burying our heads in the sand and not engaging with the world, but also in such a way that we don't lose sight of what really matters in the long run. Of course, that is for us to grow in holiness and virtue. So I don't necessarily have the answer for you today, but I have an answer. And it comes in the form of uh, of some specific devotions. Today is the memorial uh, to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And I'm I'm sitting here even as our house is largely packed up as we're getting ready to move because why not throw one other thing into the mix of all the stresses of 2020? Uh, but I'm, I'm sitting here, even though most of the house is packed up, under the, the watchful gaze of this beautiful picture of the Immaculate Heart. And um, she was in my office at the parish for a very long time. Uh, and as we have packed up the other things that were around uh, the house— all of the other pictures got put away, 
And this one was left out because of where I put it after, after moving. So she is uh, gazing over me today, which I think is just fairly apropos. Yesterday was the solemnity of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And we're going to talk about this today, um, talk about the devotion, but also talk about uh, really turning our attention to Christ's enduring presence. And that's kind of been, for me, my theme of 2020, starting, uh, if you go back and listen to some of the archives there, starting back with Father Simeon Spitz as he was here just at the very beginning of Lent, and focusing on the fact that here in the messiness of life, in the midst of our everyday, in the midst of the compounding pressures of life, Christ is here in our midst, promised his promised presence that he would never leave us or forsake us. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. The the reading out of uh, out of the Mass yesterday is not the one we're going to have for our official reading in the last segment, but I wanted to bring it out because it, it is so important for us as we are facing uh, the reality that 2020 is only half over and who knows what's coming next. And Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew says, I give praise to you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for although you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, you have revealed them to the little ones. Yes, Father, such has been your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for yourselves, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I don't know about you, but I need to hear those words. I need to remind myself, because I've heard them, I've listened to them, I've memorized them, and yet here in the midst of these compounding stresses. It's so easy to forget that Christ wants to give rest to our souls. We're not meant to be perpetually looking over our shoulder at what's going to hit next. But we have the promised presence of Christ here with us in the midst of all the suffering of life. And it's his desire that we find our rest in him. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Sometimes we look at our lives and we see the the difficulty, whether it be the loss of health or the loss of a loved one or the loss of livelihood and of employment or just the daily onslaught that we've been getting here in 2020. And we can feel like the whole earth is unstable. That, that the whole earth is shaking. And like in an earthquake, we see the things that we value being damaged, the, the pictures coming off the wall, the plates flying out of the cupboard. We see everything that we have held dear and, and have found our security in being destroyed. And this is the place where Christ comes to us and says, all you who are weary and heavy laden. We have a new picture now of what it means to be weary. 
right? We thought we knew what weariness was, and then 2020 hit, and we are um, every day finding new levels of weariness. And Christ comes in that moment and says, Come to me, you who are weary, and I will give you rest. There's this old song uh, by Rich Mullins uh, off his album, Winds of Heaven, Stuff of Earth. And, and it's brought to mind because uh, we have a, a, a old 15-passenger van and it has a, a tape deck in it. And the kids have lately been asking, hey, does it work? And as we've been packing up, I found my, my old um, large case of cassettes and pulled it out. And lo and behold, it does work. And I've been listening to this album. Uh, and there's this song called Home. And this line just kind of jumps out at me and has been uh, really putting itself forward. And I've been meditating on this line. Uh, He says that everything that could be shaken was shaken. And all that remains is all I ever really had. Everything that could be shaken was shaken. And all that remains is all I ever really had. We've convinced ourselves that the things that we occupy our time with, that our distractions are things that are, are valuable to us. And here in the midst of 2020, the, our, our leisure pursuits and our distractions have been pulled from us and stripped from us. And they have shaken off the walls and out of the cupboards. And we find all of these things that we have put value in, uh, we're finding out how fragile they really are. And here, everything that could be shaken, we're finding is shaken. And if we hold on so tightly to these things, to these distractions, to these leisure pursuits, to these things that we have imbued with value, uh, then, then it can be absolutely overwhelming and frightening to see all this happening. But here in the midst of that, Christ is present to us. He's present to us and saying, I want to give you rest. Whatever it is that is burdening you or you are frightened about or frustrated about, know that Christ is right there in the midst of the messiness, not waiting for perfection, but coming to bring you to perfection, to bring you to completion. And so Christ is here waiting, saying, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Think about what that rest would look like. Uh, I I want you to imagine the most peaceful place you could find yourself in. I want you to to think about what would it be like if you were able to really sit and abide in the presence of God. And I want you to realize that whatever conception you have of this, it does not begin to even scratch the surface of what it is that God wants to give you in this. So I want to give you an exercise. I want want to propose something to you. Take the time and write down the things, the very specific things that are causing you worry, anxiety, and distress. Put them down to paper, put a pen to paper and watch them unfold. And the reason for this is because a lot of times these things just swirl around in our heads and we can't ever really nail it down. And it makes them look bigger than they are. So to commit them to paper means that we're going to take an honest, hard look at those things that that are really controlling our lives right now. Even as they uh, we feel out of control because of them, uh, they are dictating the things that we think about and focus on. And so 
writing them down puts them in just crystal clear focus of what it is that really is troubling us. And once you have that piece of paper, invite Christ right there as he is with you. Invite him into that list and ask for him to give you his perspective on them. What is it that he sees when he looks at that list? And to turn over control of that which we truly have no control over. To give that control to Christ and to say as his faithful disciple, show me the way to go, Lord God. Teach me wisdom and I will walk in your path. In many ways, I think that is what the devotion to the Sacred Heart is about, is allowing ourselves to be brought into his heart. This is a devotion that I haven't known a whole lot about. As a convert, I wasn't raised with it. I I did see the, uh, the pictures of the Sacred Heart and the Immaculate Heart in antique stores, but didn't really have a sense of what this beautiful devotion was. So to help us unpack what it is, what this devotion to the Sacred Heart is, and how this can have a profound impact on our own lives and our own spiritual growth. We're talking today with Emily Jaminet. She's the director of WelcomeHisHeart.com, co-founder of InspireTheFaith.com. She blogs prolifically over at CatholicMom.com. And uh, if if you're done with the dot coms, she also is an author. She's got a brand new book on Ave Maria Press called Pray Fully, and has a new book coming out very soon on the topic of the Sacred Heart. So this is uh, perfect timing. Emily, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. Um, This is such a wonderful topic to talk about the Sacred Heart devotion. There's so many levels that we can kind of dive into. So I'm really looking forward to having this conversation and seeing where the Holy Spirit leads us. Great. So let's uh, take this a couple of different directions. Let's start by saying, We've been going through a period of time in the United States where our expression of faith has been disrupted. Uh, The way that we have typically gone about our faith life has changed. And so for people, if their whole experience of the faith occurred on Sunday morning or in the pew, now all of a sudden everything is upended. And the question is, how do I now practice my faith. And this is a great opportunity for us because it gives us the opportunity to enter into these devotions that are uh, historic, that have this long history in the church. It gives us the opportunity to engage a little bit in the domestic church and to really, again, take ownership of our faith and not simply relegate that to being the priest's job on our behalf. And so talk to me a little bit about how you first encountered this devotion, and then we'll get into a little bit of its history and how we can practice it today. Well, I feel like I'm a bridge um, in this devotion. Like you mentioned, it was a very stable, predominant devotion, um, heavily in the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, and things started dying down um, just in its ordinary life where it's present in the home, this image of the Sacred Heart. Every church had a side altar to the Sacred Heart. It was very much a stabilizing devotion. And um, my relatives lived that devotion. They were 100% German. They lived in Cincinnati, Ohio, which is just a very strong Catholic family. So I grew up with these grandparents and extended family that would talk regularly about the Sacred Heart. I had an uncle that would paint a beautiful image, another uncle that credits, you know, getting through World War II, leaving his home at 18 to this devotion, to talking about his grandparents' and how this devotion was the devotion in the family. But it really came to life with my own grandfather. 
I was in middle school. We went to his 80th birthday party and he got a letter from Mother Teresa hmm. wishing him happy birthday. And that was really cool for me at the time. But it was not because he was a celebrity. He was a very ordinary man that worked third shift at Ford Motor Company. But it was because he literally made plaques in his basement. He compressed into the sick part into, into a board. He cut it out and he mailed it to Albania and to India into Mother Teresa's homes for the dying, the sick, the orphaned. Mm -hmm. And um, that was very, that made a huge impression on me, not necessarily at the time, but as I, I grew up and realized what was going on here, I saw their peace. I saw their joy. I saw what they, what they had. And even on my grandfather's deathbed, there was a longing to see the, the face of Jesus and knowing that, that this is a devotion of love. So that devotion extended also into my parents' marriage where my dad was a convert, much like you said, you were a convert. He, you know, we did the enthronement in 1985. We all gathered in our home. We placed Jesus as King, Savior, and Friend, um, the image of the Sacred Heart on the, the family mantle. And we sat back and waited to see what would happen. <laughs> but what we saw was the fact that we were a very ordinary Catholic family but we were given extraordinary graces. Mm -hmm. So that was another impactful experience. And then with my own personal life, you know, my parents kept saying, do you want to do the enthronement with your six of seven children at the time? And I literally was like, I think we're good. Like life is good here. I don't really think we need any more religion in our home. <laughs> but the reality was we totally did. Um, we have two beautiful images, Sacred Heart and Immaculate Heart that was um, on our mantle. And we did a beautiful ceremony, self-led. So there was, my brother is a priest, he, but he couldn't even be there for the time that we, you know, had uh, the images and we, we did a special prayer ceremony. We placed the images up and then God um, really showed himself in a new way through enthronement. So I, I stumbled into this ministry and it was very strong locally in Columbus. We did 2,500 enthronements. And I said, let's be the spark to this tiny ministry and see if we can re-promote the devotion. Because it is, like you said, it's not a new devotion. It was very stable. And its roots go go back to um, really Jesus. But it's, it's, it is a Jesus-focused devotion. So that's a little overview of, of me. <laughs> well, and, and it seems to me, as, I, as I'm hearing you talk about it, that in many ways, you know, we like to think of our devotion as being something that we do, right? I'm going to go... I'm going to do my devotions. I'm going to to um, uh, to read this or engage in this spirituality. It, it seems as I'm listening to you that this is a very contemplative focused devotion. That it's in many ways just being mindful of the fact that Christ's love for us uh, is is central and keeping that in front of our eyes to a place that maybe it's not an overt or or a conscious thing, but we begin to appropriate and to really soak in the fact. That, that Christ does want to be involved in, in our daily lives. And this enthronement idea being that Christ does want to have input, and not only input, but direction on the things that impact our lives and the way we make our decisions. And he wants to enter into our messiness. And I think, you know, as you mentioned, you have a large family. I have a large family. It Life dynamics are complicated. Life is complicated. And, and he wants to be a part of that. But what I also realized is being, you know, the director of this ministry, there are so many people that are on the opposite spectrum where they are so lonely mm -hmm. and so longing 
for authentic love. And even with this pandemic to, to feel the hand of another person that they are not able to feel. And that's when I realized this is the complete expression of Christ's love going forth for all of us. If we're, we're all broken, but he is showing us his broken heart. So he's saying, you know, give me your heart. And in return, I will give you this fiery love. And, um, it's, it's really inspiring for me. It's helped me so much in healing. And, um, and then when we talk about where this is rooted from, it's, you know, Emily Giaminette did not make this up. Neither did, uh, really what I think is beautiful about the feast day is the feast day is an example of, it was approved before even St. Margaret Mary Alico was, was named a saint. So, you know, this is a truth in the church that has been, um, really revealed over the course of time. And, um, you, you asked me, you know, like with the, with the pandemic and our ministry, this ministry is booming because Catholics are at home and they have to figure out how to be Catholic in their home. So this is a great example of way to express your faith. We're talking, if you just are joining us with Emily Jaminet and Emily, I'm, I'm curious. Um, I, I know a lot of people who are, uh, identify as Catholic. They are, uh, they faithfully attend mass but they shy away from what they consider to be private, private practice, private revelation. Um, they get a little bit nervous when they hear things like consecration or enthronement or all of these things. Can you kind of demystify this process for us? What does it mean to have Christ and the Sacred Heart enthroned in your home or to consecrate yourself uh, to Christ through Mary or, or in, in a general yeah. sense, but then also specifically to this devotion that you're promoting? Sure. You know, I think um, one of the things you were here, like enthrone is not a American word, if we could call it. It's a very challenging word. Um, it is used in the Psalms frequently. And when you start to become more aware of this beautiful word, you know, to be enthroned, to be placed um, where you belong and on your throne, that it's it's got a kingship. It's a kingship word. And I think we have to remember that Jesus doesn't only come as our personal savior, but he comes as our king. He wants to come and be the king and the Lord of our life. So that's super powerful. Um, I recently was reading the book, The Better Part, a beautiful meditative book. And it said that Jesus was first, you know, inside the walls, he was crowned king with his crown of thorns and the agony and the experience with the Jews. But then he goes outside the walls and he was in, you know, he was lifted up and they even used the word enthroned. He was placed on his throne, which was the cross and um, for all the Gentiles. And I just thought he is such a, Jesus is there for each one of us. If we're feeling close to him or not, if whatever, wherever we are a convert or, or not Protestant or not, we're all, he's, he wants to be a part of that. So um, enthronement are initially our word. You can find us at enthronements.com as well, but we realized that word was really challenging. There was a lot of obstacles to, to understanding enthronement. So um, I'll just do a quick little breakdown. But the idea is that you are welcoming Jesus. You are you know placing him on the throne where so many are dethroning him. So in, in many ways, we're putting Jesus back on his throne in our home. And we're saying, okay, the, the rest of the world, Lord, might not be you know, worship you and knowing your place. But as for me and my house, as we learn in Joshua, we shall serve the Lord. So that's really um, just a beautiful analogy. It's enthronement. You stand before as part of your family. Um, a lot of families 
So this devotion is rooted back in St. Margaret Mary Alico's visions in 1670s, 1673, 1675, where Jesus appeared and showed his fiery heart. And then um, later there was a priest, Father Matteo, who right around 1905 really had this tremendous experience in her convent in Perrier, France. And he was like, you know, praying about the state of the church and secularism and seeing the destruction and realizing that there must be more for the family. Mm -hmm. And that's where this idea of enthronement took place. So, um, but with enthronement, I stand on the, the, the couple, the husband, the, the head of the house, the wife says, you know, the woman, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. So you're really giving all of your family to the Lord. That's um, the difference between really enthronement. Consecration is more personal. Mm-hmm. You, as Father Stasha, you, you consecrate your own heart, but you really, enthronement says, you know, as for, for me and my house, mm-hmm. and it is reserved for Jesus. That's a, a Jesus term, yeah. as we can say. So, you know, you, you mentioned a lot of people have uh, reservations about the term enthronement because it is a, a kingly word and we're very democratic. Um, but I think that one of the things that we learn in the midst of this pandemic is that uh, Jesus was telling the truth when he said, without me, you can do nothing. And all of our best laid plans for our future and for uh, for the, the plans we had for the first half of 2020, they all came to nothing, right? Everything that we had intended this year to look like I think really showed us the fact that we really are not in control, uh, and and it doesn't matter how uh, how smart we are or how well we work together with those around us, because all it takes is something like we've experienced here in the world in this first part of 2020 for everything to be upended, and it really I think gives us an opportunity uh, to humble ourselves and to acknowledge that we really do need uh, the the presence the 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 kingly presence of Christ uh, to carry us through in the midst of all of the turmoil that not only 2020 brings us, but that really every day of our life brings us if we would acknowledge the fact that we're not in control. Well, and for many of us, we were running from our life, right? You know, I'm always running to the sporting field and my husband's running to work and all of a sudden, like, we were stopped in our tracks, literally, if we're talking about the pandemic, where nine people, you know, are trying to work, live, school, everything <laughs> under one roof. And it revealed a lot about our family. You know, what are our patterns? What are the areas that we're broken and we need healing? And what are the areas that we need, you know, peace? And so it was beautiful. It's painful. You know, it, it's hard to see your faults. But then when you look at Jesus holding his heart to you, it is very inviting. And like you mentioned early on, it is a contemplative devotion because you just want to be with Christ. You, so that's um, definitely something that has really impacted me and, and made me more passionate about promoting this devotion, especially to a younger generation that doesn't know much about it. We're talking today with Emily Jaminet, the director of welcomehisheart.com. Go there and find out more about the Sacred Heart Devotion Come and join the ongoing conversation over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. If this is the devotion you participate in, tell me about your experience of it. And there's much more to come in this conversation right after this. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, T.L., and today we are reflecting, of course, yesterday, we're, we're a little bit behind. I apologize for that. We've had all of these things right in a row, right? We had uh, we had Pentecost, and then we had Holy Trinity, and then we had um, uh, the the one that came... <laughs> see, I'm, I'm not even getting there. The one that came after that, there are all these solemnities kind of packed in where you where we put on the white, even though we're in ordinary time, the white vestments come out. We're right now in a couple of days where we also have... Uh, these two way we had Corpus Christi. That's the one I was missing earlier. Uh, the, <laughs> we shouldn't miss that one. That's the huge one. Uh, the solemnity of Corpus Christi. We're right in the middle of two other days where the white vestments are out. We've got the um, the feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And uh, so we're a day behind. Sacred Heart was yesterday, but I wanted to talk a little bit more about this, not just as the way we celebrate it in the liturgy but to talk about the devotion and where it came from and how we can practice this in our home, specifically as we're trying to find new ways to practice the faith uh, in our domestic churches in light of everything <laughs> being up in the air uh, in this world. So today we're talking with Emily Jaminet, who is the director of welcomehisheart.com. Uh, it's a great place to go and visit and look through to see more about the Sacred Heart devotion. She also is the co-founder of inspirethefaith.com, blogs at catholicmom.com, and she's got a, a, several books, but a brand new book of, uh, over on Ave Maria Press called Pray Fully. Another one on the Sacred Heart is coming out, which I can't wait to see. Uh, Emily, thank you again for joining us today. Oh my gosh, this is so much fun. I, I absolutely love um, being with your audience and going deeper into this, this topic of Sacred Heart devotion. So, um, you know, what one of the things that I'm pretty strongly passionate about is you know, I'm a, a woman in my 40s. I have this big family. I'm like trying to juggle, you know, devotions, passing on the faith, because I know that it's really important that we give our children in an authentic experience of Catholicism, right? It can't just be, um, you know, we check in with the holy water and leave with the bulletin. You know, things have been turned upside down, like you mentioned. And we don't know, you know, actually this past week I checked in with with um, hand sanitizer, the the usher wouldn't let me leave unless I put the hand sanitizer on. Yeah. And I asked if it's blessed, and he said no. <laughs> so I, I wondered what we're going to do about that one. But the reality is, we need to really have um, something even more that was maybe given to us. And that's mm -hmm. what I love about this devotion. The Sacred Heart devotion is so incredibly stable and is one that's carried the church through pandemics through economic crashes, through world wars. Mm -hmm. I mean, every, everything is, it, this has been the devotion. Well, and you, you mentioned earlier, we were talking about enthronement. We're going to get back to that and how it specifically affected your life. Uh, but one of the things tying this devotion into the liturgy, uh, this idea of the kingship of Christ, which is all throughout the New Testament, but it's incorporated into the Mass. When we come in, we, we, as you said, we check in with the holy water. We remind ourselves of our baptism. We go to the pew. We face Christ enthroned in the tabernacle, and we bow. We genuflect uh, as a sign of our, our acknowledgement and our deference to his royalty. Uh, this is another kingly thing that is a little bit foreign to the rest of the world, but for us, it's kind of second nature because we're Catholic. It shouldn't be that far of a step to say, yes, he is enthroned in, in the house of God. He's enthroned in the tabernacle where his manifest presence lies. But he's also, where two or more are gathered, I'm there in their midst, right? He should also be, therefore, enthroned in our homes uh, as his presence is also made manifest 
there. So you mentioned earlier, it was brought up to you, hey, you should practice this devotion. And you're like, no, I think we're good. Somewhere along <laughs> the lines, you changed your mind uh, and you began this practice. Uh, you weren't expecting to see anything because you, hey, we're good. Uh, but I'm going to take now from the fact that you are promoting this devotion, that you have seen some specific fruit come out of your family's practice of this devotion. And I would love just some examples of what you have seen uh, in in the, the interactions between your family members and the way that your family interacts with the world around it that have come, from your perspective, from the practice of this devotion. Well, the first thing, you know, before you do an enthronement, you, you get the image and you place it up on the wall. So that was the first thing we did is we started having you know, being more aware of the image in the house. So just acknowledging that the King, Savior, and friend was in the home, which was really beautiful. Um, At the same time, I was just transitioning all my children out of eight years of homeschooling and into Catholic schools. So it was like this crossroad of how am I going to pay for this? I feel called to this. And we turned to the Sacred Heart. So every morning we prayed a beautiful prayer, um, the almost Holy Heart of Jesus prayer, no one knew it in the car. I'd hand the prayer card to the kid in the first seat. I said, read it out loud. We are going to trust that the Lord is going to help us with this tuition bill, this transition. And he did. He absolutely helped us miraculously. And um, the fact that, you know, everyone was where they needed to be. And, and I had the peace, like we talked about peace earlier, that I made the right decision for our family. But when we did the enthronement, like I said, everything was good. Everything was fine. And my parents initially, locally, it was say the rosary for eight days, and then you do the enthronement. And I said, I got six kids. We're good if we do one decade of the rosary. <laughs> I mean, for three days and we're, you know, but what I realized is we kind of overpiased what the original practice was. It was never such a formula. We kind of created this local intense formula, which was good. But if you were like my family and busy and struggling just to get dinner on the table, it was a little much. So we agreed that we were going to focus on enthronement, not get too caught up in the preparation. So we gathered, we said the rosary on some nights, some nights we said a decade, and some nights we just kissed everyone and told them that Jesus loved them. <laughs> but the reality is Sunday, the Sunday came, we did the enthronement. We had my parents there. We had my um, in-laws there. And I, I sat there and wonder like, all right, Lord, like you said, what, what's going to happen? And what happened was amazing. I promise you, Jesus will rearrange the furniture of your house. He will tell you, no, 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 move the dining room here. No, but the spiritual furniture of your house, he will reveal to you what you might not have had the courage to know what was going on. And that's the feedback. That's my passion is that addiction needs to first always be identified and then given the grace to step forward. And people started saying, actually, after we did the enthronement, I didn't realize that my child was doing drugs. I didn't realize that we had alcohol issues in this family. I didn't realize that even pornography was in my very own home. Mm -hmm. And you're not afraid because you're looking at his heart and he's handing you his heart and he's giving you not only love, but he's giving you grace and all the strength you need to deal with that cross. So for our family, the first big trial was a week after the enthronement. I noticed I had that one kid that always had the headache. And he kept saying, I always have a headache, I always have a headache. Well, I took him to the specialist. Does he have a concussion from football? No, no confession. But what was interesting was we had carbon monoxide in our brand new house. Mm. It was November and his headaches were directly from the furnace and in the state of our, our living situation. 
And um, he actually went for a jog on the treadmill. I called him down for family dinner and he said, mom, I'm taking a nap. And, you know, in a busy busy family, you might say, oh, that's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. He's taking a nap. But I felt the Lord prompt me to investigate. And I said, that's strange. No no eighth grader is going to take a nap from the treadmill to the curled up. So, you know, I called. I called and had my house tested. Immediately, my furnace was turned off. My heater was turned off. And they said, we're never turning this on. You need to get new appliances. Nothing's, you know, they didn't actually vent it properly. But that was an example where the Lord really did strengthen my family and gave us the courage and, and the understanding. Another great example is my teenage sons. You know, like I, I would feel this prompting and I still live by this way. The, the nocturnal devotion, right? Jesus isn't only giving you a 12 hour devotion. He gives you a 24 hours. So I tell my children, if I wake up, I will come find you. I will bless you. And I love you, but the Lord woke me up. So they kept saying, you know, I would wake up if it was 11 o'clock, if it was two o'clock and I would find these children (laughs) and I would tell them that God loves them. And that finally they're like, mom, like what is going on? Like, how did you know that my thoughts were going into a dark place or that I was Mm -hmm. tempted or something? I'm like, so I brought them before the image and I said, because he's King Savior and friend of the family, like he's not going to allow things to fester in the dark because you got to name it. You got to say it and you got to be, be set free as a family. And I can say that, um, we know no family's perfect. And that's, that's the devil wants to trick you into thinking that, oh, you're not perfect. It doesn't matter. But instead I was given vision, understanding, and then real clarity that this isn't just from the Jaminette family or, you know, a few of the few, this is for every Catholic family. This was the devotion of stability and strength. Mm-hmm. So Emily, I, I'm hearing this and I'm, I'm thinking of, of the way that our, our whole society is beginning to name uh, and to be less concerned with uh, with stereotypes, we've seen a lot of uh, of freedom and opening up on on topics of mental uh, distress. We've seen even a couple of bishops who have taken uh, a, a leave of absence for for mental health reasons, and uh, and seeing a destigmatization of uh, of things that traditionally have been oh well, we're just going to sweep that under the rug. We're not going to talk about that. And so I, I'm hearing, uh, as part of this devotion and your experience of it, you're seeing Christ encourage you to do the same things, to not be scared of those things that we would normally sweep under the rug, but to face them on full because his presence is there to face that with us. And that's really each for each one of us. You know, we, we can look in the scriptures and see that the Lord is going to calm the storms that need to be calmed. And he's going to, to be there with us. And think about even, you know, when Peter had walked on water, that wasn't a glassy water. That was a rough, that was rough. <laughs> and I think that there's some of us that need to step out in trust. And, you know, if it's like you mentioned, our finances, our family, our careers, even our, you know, even where we are in, in our, our spiritual journey and, and, not, and not be afraid. But, um, you know, one thing as a parent as a parent, we can't put our head in the sand mm-hmm. and pretend like it's all going to be okay because our kids have access to, you know, the World Wide web that never goes to bed. <laughs> and I like to tell them that, you know, you could be on Twitter all night long. You can, you know, there's no end point. So we really have to give our children and ourselves deep devotion to understand and interpret what's going on. And, and I'll tell you the, to me, 
I mean, this is the month of the Sacred Heart in the month in which the world goes a little crazy over the word love, you know, but his love is perfect love. And that brings me so much comfort to really remind us what is, what truly is love. In the couple of minutes we have left, part of this Sacred Heart devotion uh, comes with promises that Christ extends to us some uh, guarantees as they were. His word is guarantee. So uh, we know that he's faithful to his promises. What sets these promises apart and different from just the ordinary promises that are given to the, the missionary disciple? Well, you know, promises is kind of a, an interesting topic, isn't it? A lot of people love promises, you know, the mysticism of faith. And um, in my most recent book that comes out in October, it's actually on the promises. It's, you know, claiming it's called the secrets of the sacred heart, you know, claiming the 12 promises and, and understanding what that means. But really there is no secret. You know, our Lord is not a, a God of secrecy, but what he's very clear. And this is a great example of when we dive into the gospel living and when we strive to live out the Beatitudes and when we strive to be peacemakers, you know, he will give us this peace. And one of the things I realized is that there's so much scripture mm-hmm. about what our Lord's really inviting us to live. First, you know, come to me all who are burdened and I shall give you rest. That if that I keep telling my children, that's my favorite scripture (laughs) because it's exhausting to be in the world, but not of the world. So um, this whole idea of promises is one that is most found and most, you know, sought out, but there's no, there's no mystery. Our Lord is actually saying this is a life that's rooted in love, that's alive with the sacred heart. Now, some of the specifics about these promises that are really unique, um, I think, is this idea of first Fridays. So Jesus tells St. Margaret Mary, basically, if you know, he invites her to go to Mass and receive communion for nine first Fridays of the month. And it's really a reminder of Jesus dying on the cross, that, that example of connecting Calvary with first Friday. There's a connection there of reparation, of, of making up for the sins of others making up for the tearing down because we're part of the kingdom that's building up, you know, and we believe the kingdom of God is here and now we're part of that kingdom and we want to be part of the restoration of society. But what is beautiful is I like to say the 12 promises, well, the, the, the end promise they call it the great promise. And it's really, um, my divine heart shall be the refuge in their last moment. So it's this idea of that Jesus will be with you in your last moments but when you start doing this nine first Fridays, you'll realize that it's super challenging and it's not one that you get or discouraged, but you build a lifestyle. I don't know. I know very few people that do it nine and done. It's, it's wow. This is a great, beautiful devotion. I want to go deeper. I want to go deeper. And that's when it becomes, we get out of the hocus pocus view of promises to understanding it's an invitation. It's a door. Yeah. Jesus's door is a heart that you know, his heart is a door that we can go deeper and deeper. And that's why we will never be, St. Margaret Mary says, you know, I will never be quenched by this. I can always go deeper into his heart, which is a heart of love. So that's um, just briefly a touching on it, but it's really worth noting that this is a stable devotion. It's one that's approved by the church. It's one that um, is mystical and beautiful, but yet it's so ordinary. And most people that lived a, a faithful life lived this devotion each and every day of their life. Mm-hmm. 
We're talking today with Emily Jaminet. You've got a new book coming out on this topic, uh, coming out later this year. Where where can we find that when it gets here? You can find that at Ave Maria Press. I'm very excited. It's already actually up on Amazon. And um, it's going to dive deeper. It's actually written as a personal devotional that you go through each promise. You read scripture. You hear what the church has to say. And you're able to kind of tackle it and then say, what's the Lord and, you know, what's the Lord doing in my own heart? So I'm very excited. I think it's going to be great as we are trying to refigure out what it means to be Catholic in these uh, extraordinary times. Emily, thanks for being with us today. Thank you. If you missed any part of today's show or you want to share it with your friends on social media, all of our episodes are archived over at OutsideTheWalls.com. While you're there, you can also subscribe so that it goes straight to your phone each week. You never miss an episode. And if you love the show, and this is something that you enjoy, I want to invite you to be a part of our support community. Uh, I've got a, a great group of people who help us keep this show on the air. And one of the things that I do each and every week is I record an extra segment with our guest in gratitude for their support. You can join that support community and become uh, a recipient of these extra segments just by going to OutsideTheWalls.com, clicking the Patreon link, and finding the support level that works for you. Let's turn our attention now to our readings from Scripture and from church history. That's the sound of the Verbum Library launching up, and now we're going to launch ourselves into our reading from the Book of Romans. This is coming from the the, uh, Office of Readings for the Sacred Heart, uh, the uh, the breviary is soon to be released to the public in verbum. I've got a little bit of an advanced copy, uh, but it will be here before you know it. There, it's currently in beta testing. So here we are looking at Office of Readings for the Sacred Heart, and we read from the Book of Romans. We know that God makes all things work together for the good of those who have been called according to his decree. Those whom he foreknew, he predestined to share the image of his Son, that the Son might be the firstborn of many brothers. Those he predestined, he likewise called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he in turn glorified. What shall we say after that? If God is for us, who can be against us? Is it possible that he who did not spare his own son but handed him over for the sake of us all will not grant us all things besides? Who shall bring a charge against God's chosen ones? God who justifies? Who shall condemn them? Christ Jesus who died or rather was raised up, who is at the right hand of God and who intercedes for us? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Trial or distress or persecution or hunger or nakedness or danger or the sword? As Scripture says, For your sake we are being slain all the day long. We are looked upon as sheep to be slaughtered. Yet in all this we are more than conquerors because of him who has loved us. For I am certain that neither death nor life, neither angels nor principalities, neither the present nor the future, nor powers, neither height nor depth, nor any other creature will be able to separate us from the love of God 
that comes to us in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That reading comes to us from the book of Romans, chapter 8. And how important it is for us to remember this, especially right now, that there is nothing that can be thrown our way that will remove us, that will separate us from the love of Christ. Christ is all and is in all. Christ is here with us in the midst of the messiness of life. Christ has put himself right in the midst of that which is being shaken and taken from us. And even there, even in the midst of that, we can't be separated from his love. His love for us is all-consuming. And so, I encourage you to let it consume you. It can be a little bit frightening because the love of God can require things from us. It can require us to let go of other affections and attachments. It can require us to, uh, to grow in humility. I think back to, um, to Abraham, who was asked to relinquish his inordinate affection for his, his legacy, for his son. And so he was asked, will you sacrifice Isaac to me? And he he wrestled with this. He looked at this, but ultimately he said, okay, God, you have brought me this far. The writer of Hebrews says that he believed in the promise of God so much that even though he didn't see how God would do it, even if it meant that God would raise him from the dead, he knew that his obedience was necessary. And so, here he is, giving up his inordinate desire for his legacy, and even in his inordinate desire to see that which God had promised, but to see it in the way that he wanted, rather than really trusting that God would do what he said in his own way. And so, as he does that, even without sacrificing his son, God says, yes, you have given all things over to me. And then he restores that covenant, that promise. Well, here we are. Sometimes the love of God asks us to do things that are frightening to us. But we have to trust that God is with us and nothing will separate us from the love of God. And even if we don't understand the things that he's asking us to do, he will accompany us through all of those difficult things and his presence will never leave us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Let's turn now to a work from St. Bonaventure. Take thought now, redeemed man, and consider how great and worthy is he who hangs on the cross for you. His death brings the dead to life. But at his passing, heaven and earth are plunged into mourning, and hard rocks are split asunder. It was a divine decree that permitted one of the soldiers to open his sacred side with a lance. This was done so that the church might be formed from the side of Christ as he slept the sleep of death on the cross, and so that the scripture might be fulfilled. They shall look on him whom they pierced. The blood and water which poured out at that moment were the price of our salvation, flowing from the secret abyss of our Lord's heart as from a fountain. 
This stream gave the sacraments of the church the power to confer the life of grace, while for those already living in Christ, it became a spring of living water welling up to everlasting life. Arise then, beloved of Christ. Imitate the dove that nests a hole in the cliff, keeping watch at the entrance like a sparrow that finds a home. There, like the turtle dove, hide your little ones, the fruit of your chaste love. Press your lips to the fountain. Draw water from the wells of your Savior. For this is the spring flowing out of the middle of paradise, dividing into four rivers, inundating devout hearts, watering the whole earth and making it fertile. Run with eager desire to this source of life and light, all you who are vowed to God's service. Come, whoever you may be, and cry out to him with all the strength of your heart. O indescribable beauty of the Most High God and purest radiance of eternal light, life that gives all life, light that is the source of every other light, preserving in everlasting splendor the myriad flames that have shone before the throne of your divinity from the dawn of time, eternal and inaccessible fountain, clear and sweet stream flowing from a hidden spring, unseen by mortal eye. None can fathom your depths, nor survey your boundaries. None can measure your breadth. Nothing can sully your purity. From you flows the river which gladdens the city of God. Make us cry out with joy and thanksgiving and hymns of praise to you. For we know by our own experience that with you is the source of life. And in your light, we see light. That reading comes from a work by St. Bonaventure. And this is the heart of Christ. This is the heart that longs for us to be drawn into it. A heart that refreshes and nourishes. A heart by which we can see all things. In his light, we see light. He is that which illumines the whole world, and his love for us puts all things in context. It's in his heart, in his sacred heart, that we can find meaning and understanding for the suffering that we endure, for the, the, the stresses that build up and pile up one after the other and cause us no end of consternation. In his light... We see light. We come to understand his purposes, and we trust more fully in him that he who gave his very life for us wants to give us yet more, wants to give us the riches of heaven, wants to give us the fullness of joy and an abundance of life, and most of all, wants to give us himself day after day after day. If you're interested in learning more about the Sacred Heart Devotion, go to welcomehisheart.com. That's all the time we have for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today's show is brought to you by Christopher Robin Webster and all those who support the show through Patreon. Go to outsidethewalls.com, click the Patreon link, and join their numbers. And until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.